Apple presents Meet the Musician at the Apple Store. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, CEO of AllHipHop.com, Chuck Creekmer, and tonight's guest, Talib Kweli. What's up, Chuck? What's up? How you doing? I'm good. How y'all feeling? What's up, Apple Store? Okay. So these are your true, true, true fans right they here. They are. They came out downtown at the end of rush hour. Weather's bad. Weather's bad. Cleaned up a little bit. You know. Okay. New York City, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's get it going a little bit. So let's talk about your new album and, you know, let's, let's get that going. It's available on iTunes, Prisoner of Conscience. But can you uh, speak on that a little bit for people that don't know already? Uh, yeah, I got a new album. It's my fifth solo album. It's called Prisoner of Conscience. It's my second release on my, my own independent label called Javodi Media. Uh, it's released this time. It's distributed by Caroline EMI. And um, we have a lot of exciting guests on it. Uh, Currency, Melanie Fiona, Kendrick Lamar, Miguel, Busta Rhymes, Nelly, Sale George from Brazil, uh, Marsha Ambrosius. We got tracks from E. Jones, Oh No, RZA, J. Cole. But most importantly, it's my album, and I, I hope that you get it and listen to it and enjoy it. Now, the album shows a, a tremendous amount of range for you, which... which uh surprised me in a, in a way, you know, especially contrasting it with the title of the album, um, Prisoner, whereas it seems like you're actually more free on this album. What's, was that done purposely or, you know, it seems like a, a pretty stark contrast. Uh, yeah, Prisoner Conscious is not what I res refer to myself as. That's dealing with people's perception of what I'm supposed to sound like. Too often because Music is not just a sonic experience anymore. People listen to music with their eyes or they listen with preconceived notions of what an artist is supposed to sound like. And I try as hard as I can to defy the expectations of, of what you might expect, but still give you what you want and what you need. Um, it's important, especially for longtime fans who have invested a lot in me, to give them something of substance and give them something that's entertaining. But at the same time, as an artist, I can't be confined to a box. And I, I can't, uh, if you can find me to a box, then you can find the artist that I work with to a box, and you can find yourself to a box, and then we all box in, that's no fun. No, no, no fun at all. Speaking of, speaking of breaking out of boxes, uh, you had a project a few years ago called, with Idol, you know, called Idol Worship with Reese and uh, another artist at one point, I don't know what happened with that. Reese, me and Reese. Right, you and Reese. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was a very unconventional uh, project uh, that a formula that some other people kind of used after the fact. But um, how did those ventures lead up to this, you know, in terms of doing different innovative, creative things? Um, Prisoner Consciousness album was recorded over four years. In that four years, I released Gutter Rainbows and I released Idol Worship. Idol Worship was created because Reese and I have often been pigeonholed as artists, and we wanted to create an album that employed all of our influences as artists, not just a couple. And um, that's what Idol Worship was, which is music, you know? Um, touring with Idol Worship, having the band, I have a band with my solo stuff. It opened me up to new ideas, new sounds. Um, I DJ around town. Um, anybody who comes to Beauty in Essex in New York on, on Tuesdays knows that I'm up there. Um, and you know, I had a lot of great music ex musical experiences, Idol Worship included, that really influenced the musicality on this album. Idol Worship was done to show people that 
I'm not just a lyricist or not just a hip hop artist. I'm proud to be those things. I'm proud to know know those known be known for those things and those talents are on display in my music. But that's not the sum of what I am. Yeah. Okay. Now you also, you know, you receive, I guess, criticism and praise for working with artists that a lot of people were a little shocked and stunned at seeing you work with. Um, Young Money is is. I guess the most notable recently. How do you take that type of criticism from your fans who I guess you would assume would ride with you down that down those paths? Um well fan doesn't have to ride with me for them to be a fan. They don't have to like every every song I make, they don't have to like every decision I make. But a true fan will respect every decision you make. And um and I don't in my in the way I listen to music, I don't care um, if I agree with an artist, what they're saying, I don't care who they're dating. I don't care what color their pants are or how tight they are. Those I don't really don't spend any time thinking about those things. I, I, I listen to music, whether or not I like the song. Um, when I listen to a song, I think about where the artist was raised, what type of music they were raised under, what, could I, what type of things influenced them. And I, I would like every artist to be true to their influences because I'm true to mine. So when I do a song with somebody, the only criticism that I take seriously from a fan or anybody else is a criticism of the actual song. Like if someone is like, I just don't like the song. Like I don't like the beat. I don't like the hook. I don't think you sound good. I don't think the other person sounds I don't like the song. Then that's a criticism I'm bound to respect. But if somebody is criticizing me for actually working with an artist, that's not a criticism I, I really respect. Yeah. Now on Prisoner Conscious, did you get in the studio with these artists, or how were you? Did you guys, you know, send sessions back and forth? I mean, there's a lot, so I would assume that it. Was um. Every yeah, every song was different. The vast majority of it was done in the studio. Okay. Um, with the other artists. Um. Melanie Melanie Fiona's on the album. She I wasn't in the studio with her. Okay. Um, I wasn't in the studio with Kendrick. Um, I wasn't in the studio with Marsha Ambrosius. Okay. But other than that, everybody else I was in the studio with. I thought it was a, like a, a huge testament to the amount of respect that these people have for you as well. I mean, you got everybody from Nelly, Kendrick, you know, M Miguel. I wanted to ask you, did Miguel, was he, did he do any kicks or anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what's great about Miguel and Kendrick, these wonderful artists from Los Angeles, is that um, what I, when, I, when I worked on this album, Miguel had no adorn. You know what I'm saying? When I worked on this album, Kendrick Lamar hadn't dropped a single yet. Okay. You know, when I did these songs with, them, with these people. So, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that I, I run with a circle of artists and I'm in a community where I can see that talent as is bubbling, you know? Right. And like it, with the last you know, major label re release I had, Reflection Eternal, uh, we had a song called Just Begun, which had Jay Electronica and Jay Cole on it, you know, and a um, couple years later, people came up to me like, yo, what's, when did you do that song? And I'm like, yeah, you missed it on that song. I mean, you know, on my early, on, 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 on quality, you know, I had um, Kanye on four, four tracks on that album, you know, so I've always been able to be running a circle, uh, an artistic circle where I can be amongst talented people whether they're, or be amongst the best, whether everybody knows they're the best or not. Right. So you had the foresight to see. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a, I mean, I don't think it's a visionary see the future thing, but I think it's just being a part of a community. And, and like you said, the respect of, 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 of 
of the business to where I was, I'm, I'm put in those situations. I do hip hop music for a living. And so I get to see beautiful examples of music. I have very nothing to complain about. I get to see great hip hop all the time. So last year when I, someone might have complained about a song on the radio, I, I was saying, hey, you need to listen to this dude Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So because, you know, so it's like I've just been blessed to be in the right situations. Speaking of prisoners, a lot of people in general feel like they are prisoners of, you know, the commercial realm. You know, there was a time when hip hop was dictating what was on the radio or video and now it seems like it's reversed where people are being told what to like but the people are pushing back um what are your thoughts on that notion that you know and they're having hard a harder time finding it even though we have far more ways of getting music um i think it's just this i think radio mainstream radio television is dead you know it's still a i mean it's still a great promotional tool but it's not something that drives the culture you know, you'll notice someone has an album come out. And people get invested in a song that they like at the club while they're drunk, but they don't get invested in that artist. Yeah. And when you, when you look at iTunes, you know, when you look at the top 10 of iTunes, you, know, you got Mac Miller in the top 10. You got J. Cole, whose album ain't even out yet. You got Kendrick Lamar. You got Mac Lamar and Ryan Lewis, who have the number one album in the country twice in the top 10. And they made an underground, independent hip-hop album. You know, if if you don't if you don't recognize what they did, then you're not paying attention. You're just seeing Thrift Shop or Can't Hold Us Now on on MTV or whatever, but you're not really paying attention to how they really changed the game this year. You know, and as artists, we need to we need to look at those examples and count the blessings, not the problems. Yeah, you know, when you go to the club, when you turn on urban hip hop radio, you're hearing one thing. But when you look at what people are actually investing time in and what people are actually supporting and buying and, and like liking and enjoying, it's a whole different picture. Yeah. We had a discussion today on Twitter, and Charlemagne the God from uh, one of the local radio stations here and some other folks and myself were discussing, discussing the state of hip-hop overall. And he argued that there have been four golden eras in hip-hop and that we're in another golden era right now. How do you feel about that? You know, the current state of affairs, you know, is there truly this renaissance? I don't know about a renaissance because it feels new to me. It feels something different. But, I mean, I like a lot. I mean, I, again, I'm biased because yeah. I'm always going to like it. Like, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I get to see great hip-hop. There's so much hip-hop that's come out that I haven't even got a, I haven't got a chance to hear every Big Crit song or every Ab Soul song or every Joey Badass record. Like, there's so much out there that I haven't even, and I do it all day long. Right. You know what I'm saying? I do it all day long. That's all I do. And I haven't even been able to catch up with everything. So... I think it's kind of arrogant and kind of spoiled bratish of us to complain about hip hop dead and what's not available. When not only is everything available, but not it's not only just available, it's available for free. Yeah. Like you ain't even gotta pay for it. Right. You could just snatch it out the air. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yet people are still complaining. Like, it's like somebody made a good point to me on Twitter. It's like people who are stuck in the nineties are complain about the lack of music that sounds like it's in the nineties, yeah. but yet when when music became downloadable, we stopped supporting it, yeah. you know, and it created a, a and we stopped we we stopped we started downloading it for free and stopped demanding that it be heard at mainstream radio. Yeah. So you don't have groups like Outkast or the Fugees or certain groups that would would have had positive content bubble up. You have your Kanye West, you have your Lupe Fiasco's one or two, but you don't have you don't have the same balance until what Charlemagne is talking about. You're starting to see it now. Yeah. You know, I think Kanye made way, way for Drake. As much as people want to hate on Young Money, 
Drake has made ratchet records. He's made strip club records. He's made party records. But he made a lot of heartfelt, honest, you could even say conscious hip hop records that have been mm -hmm. singles. Absolutely. You know, even when you look at Nicki Minaj, and the people people have all, uh, all types of opinions about Nicki Minaj. If you look at her actual singles that did well for her on urban radio, they were conscious records. Yeah. Wasn't no cursing in them. She was talking to young girls. Uplift yourself. You know, these were great records. Yeah. It, they clash maybe with her image of sex that's been sold. But people have to stop looking at music, listening to music with what they were think about what somebody wear. And think about what the what they're trying to do more often, and then you'll start to see the blessings. You yeah. start to see how Kendrick Lamar has changed the game, and how J Cole may not be as conscious as what I'm doing, but he's certainly being honest and painting realistic pictures of what's going on. And you start mm -hmm. to be excited, and you start to see the you start to support it. It's like you got to support it. You can't like Kendrick is went number one in hip hop, whatever, selling what 200, 250,000 a week. Yeah. Um, back in the day, it used to be a million. Know. You know, but now people are not as invested in supporting artists like that. Um, um, but they're invested a lot in talking about what's missing. Yeah, too much energy on what's bad and not what's good. Right. There's only you have one tool to change what you think is missing, and it's not Twitter, it's not Facebook, it's your wallet, it's yeah. money. That's the only tool you have. People ask me all the time, how can you change? You just support what you like. It's not dissing no other artists for expressing themselves how they grew up. Mm -hmm. It's only supporting what you like. Speaking of supporting what we like, a lot of people, I know you get this a lot, but I, and, I, and last time we talked, we, we brought it up, but I'm a... <laughs> Sorry, take your time. Um, I know you get this question a lot, but everybody wants to know when, if ever, will you and Most Def get back together for a Black Star album? Um. Yeah, you can yeah, go ahead and clap for Black Star. I had to rile them up a little yeah. bit. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Um, you know, we do Black Stars, our organic live experience. We do a lot of Black Star shows. Um, I don't see an album coming anytime in the near future. But, I mean, I would love to do another Black Star album. Yeah. Okay. That was easy enough. Uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what's, you know, you've, you've kind of been, you know, you've had this, this nice balance between commercial and underground, uh, mainstream success, and, and, and off the beaten path success. Um, and now you're independent completely. What's what's been your you know your greatest challenge as an artist um, and a businessman? I think you know last year was my greatest challenge. You know, um, having to separate myself from Blacksmith and the situation I was at, and and at that time, and and really learning the ropes of putting a record out myself. Um, you know, it was trials and tribulations for me last year, yeah. um, and I think I'm I'm better for it, and I think that I was able to roll out Prisoner Conscious better than I had rolled out a record in a minute, and I think it was solely based on me taking that control in my hand. Okay. All right, so we got, we're about to go into Q&A, so everybody get your questions together. So I wanted to ask you this last question before we do the Q&A, because um, this, you, were the, you were like the spokesman for hip-hop when Lil Wayne and, and Rick Ross were, you know, you, well, a lot, you were, you were, on, you know, you were speaking. I got thrust into. Right, you got thrust into, into it. Yeah. You were in Twitter beefs with with friends or whatever. However, I mean, just seemed like you were everywhere. So, let me ask you. So, from that vantage point, where are we with hip hop and in this era where it's being accepted, but yet, obviously, when certain things pop up, it's also still outlaw music. Um, well, I think that the misunderstandings and the people getting upset at me for my opinions on these certain subjects 
come from a place where you have a lot of people who grew up investing in hip-hop, loving hip-hop, giving their all to hip-hop, and then they feel like hip-hop is not giving back to them, right. you know, especially women. You know, you have a lot of women who love hip-hop, but the hip-hop that's being pumped to us by corporate radio stations and the TV stations all the time is so disrespectful to women all the time. And so it becomes a, it becomes a weariness there. Like, I'm just, I'm just sick of it. And, um, and so they pull back and they stop investing in it. Right. And so because they're not investing in it no more, you have artists who are not doing that, but who can't get support from the community. You know what I'm saying? So it puts the artist in, a, in an interesting position where I'm still part of this community um, and I'm trying to fight the good fight in the community. I'm saying I'm, I'm talking about a collective of artists who do conscious music and try to not degrade women and you know, you know, try to uplift the community. Um, first and foremost, I'm for support of the arts. I realize that if an, art, if an artist is expressing songs that deal with ghetto pathologies, that they're a victim of the same pathologies that their fans are. They're not part of some, they're not evil. Right. They're not monsters preying on the community. Um, they're, they're, they're expressing years and years of degradation. Mm -hmm. They're expressing themselves. Um, people make the arguments of, he's old enough, he should know better. He's making, it's, all those arguments are irrelevant when you're talking about art. You know, so when I approach those situations, I approach them from not where I think people have to be. I approach them from solution bases. Um, and strategically, if I'm gonna ask somebody to be more responsible in hip hop, the first thing I have to do is embrace the fact that they're hip hop. Mm -hmm. You know, if I if I if I approach them and say, you're not part of the community, you're destroying the community. It's your fault women are having babies at a certain age, it's your fault kids are doing mollies, it's your fault that everything is your fault, you know, how can you expect how can you approach somebody like that and expect them to listen to you? To me, that's not strategic. So I feel like a better strategy is for me to work with artists like that, for mm -hmm. me to just big them up when they do something that I do like. Right. Like if they have a song that I like, I support it. And just you know try to create community so that the artist feels part of a community. If you feel outside of the community, why would you care about what the community has to say, say to you? And I think you know, people misconstrue that for me being soft on, on, you know, on certain artists. It's like, nah, I just, I'm not gonna fall for the trap of me being an, against another artist, another black man, another young black man who's expressing himself. I'm not gonna fall for that trap. I, I, I wouldn't do that to my own brother, so I'm not gonna do that to another artist. I'm gonna approach my own brother with love, family like that, so I'm approaching another artist with love. Okay. Amen. So, questions? Peace, Chuck. Peace, Kwa. Peace. Uh, I'm from the West Coast, my first time in NYC. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. This is a, a, a splendiferous event for me, so thanks for being here. I got a question for you about Blacksmith. I know you brought it up a minute ago. Big fan of Strong Arm Steady, big fan of Jean Grey. As an artist, did you find that it was challenging to, you know, kind of have this label situation with other artists? Just wondering what else you learned from that situation. Um, yeah, I think it's important that when you work with someone artist-wise, that you work with artists that are capable of sustaining themselves. And the reason why I work with both Gene Gray and Strong Arm Steady is because they had their own followings and their own way of doing things that is a partnership. I didn't discover Strong Arm Steady, I didn't discover Gene Gray. I just partnered up with them. And we were able to uh, both benefit from the partnership. Um, now with Javoti Media, I'm doing the same thing, but I have a little bit more knowledge. Um, you know, Sean Fallon was talking about my man Corey Moe, who's an artist from Houston, um, who I'm partnering with for his release. Um, 
and um, you know we might bring him up to do some songs and and Reese, my partner in Idol Worship, I'm focused on a on a solo album with Reese. But I learned a lot from Blacksmith working with with a team of people. What I learned from what I the most important lesson I learned was I found myself doing most of the work, and that's not to diss anybody else. It just is what it is. When it's your vision, you know, it was me who was like gung ho about the label. It was me who was like. I could, we could do this, and it was my albums that were sustaining the label. It was my shows and my albums that were sustaining the label. So I just decided to just reinvest that energy and make it more about what I do. Thank you. Thank you, I've been holding on to this question for a while. I have to okay. admit, uh, my name's Matt, pleasure, thank you. Peace, man. Um, so you did a track where you featured uh, Savion Glover, I believe it was off Quality? Yeah. Man, I'm a huge fan of, of bridging that that those arts, um, I'm a tapper myself, so I love that. How did that come about? How did you? Um, I know Savion for years, um, just for him being a cat in the, streets, in the streets and at the parties and whatnot. And right at the time that I was on Raucous and we were starting, Savion was moving out of like the bringing the noise, bringing the funk phase to like becoming like the representative. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know it's funny you bring that up because you know what? I you try not to have any regrets, right? But now in this age of YouTube, I really am like, damn, we should have been filming that. <laughs> we didn't film that at all. You know, and I, as now that I'm watching videos on YouTube and watching things that people, everything, you film everything now. I'm, I'm, I'm so mad. We weren't even thinking. I wasn't even thinking on that level visually. Like I was thinking like, I was thinking Gregory Hans and all them. And I was thinking like how Tap used to be a part of the canon of the music. And you would hear Tap on records. And that's all my brain was at. So I was thinking like, I know Savion. I invited him in. Um, he he insisted that we get this particular type of wood board in there. And what I remember, remember, we did it at the cutting room on Broadway. You put this wooden board in there, and he must have tapped in there for like three hours to the point where the room had to be like a hundred degree. Like he made it hot in there from tapping. I remember that. Like we were in there sweating. Yeah. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, so it was a great thing. And he's, you know, he was just a homie. You know what I'm saying? So it was like that's that's what it was. All right. Any other questions? Hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Um, I have a question. How long do you want to make records for? Um, I want to make music forever. You know, as far as making records and putting them out, I could see myself stopping at some point in time um, and letting them come out just naturally and organically as they come out. But um, I mean, I plan on making music forever to, to the end of my days. Definitely. Hey, how you doing? Peace. Um, so I've seen you speak a couple times. I love it every time. Um, I liked what you were saying about how to like revive rap industry by and hip hop industry by buying records. Um, my question is like, how do we, as fans, help those artists who aren't really making things anymore when we already have their albums? How do I bring Outkast back? How do I get Dre to finally drop Detox? How do... Well, I mean, I, you know, I think, there's, I think that's, a, that's a good question, but I think the fair answer in, in particular to Outkast and Dr. Dre is like, you're talking about artists that have been making music for 20, 30 years, you know? Um, Dr. Dre, he gave us, what, two, two great NWA albums? He gave us two incredible you know, chronic albums that changed the game every time they dropped. Um, on top of everything else that he did outside of those records, it's like, to me, 
I look at it like, yo, I don't know what else I could ask from a Dr. Dre. I, I can't even imagine what else I could ask. Like, I, I could care less. I would love to hear a detox, but I could care less if it came out because I'm like, what else? I don't even see what else. I feel the same about a Lauren Hill. It's like Lauren Hill gave us the score of miseducation. People be so upset when she want to show up and play a guitar. It's like, let her, let her play a guitar, man. Like, she gave you miseducation. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, go home and listen to that if you missed that. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, as far as Outcast, like, what Outcast, how many out? Five albums? Yeah. Like all yeah. of them incredible. Like it's so hard to make one dope song. Just one or so hard to write one dope hook. It's so hard to write one dope verse. If somebody give you five albums, man, you just gotta be like, thank you. And then you gotta look towards who's new. You gotta look at Joey Badass or Chance the Rapper or Kendrick Lamar and be like, okay, what you got? You know what I'm saying? I think that's the only thing we can do. And um and it's great that somebody like a Kendrick can reach back and still work with Dr. Dre, but still sound so fresh. And he can reach back and get MC eight. You know what I'm saying? Or even like Joey Badass doing records with like Premier, Pete Rock and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. I'm looking at them to carry the torch because they knew, they brand new, but they still get it. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it doesn't sound dated, but they, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm excited about that. I agree. Yes, sir. How do you feel like um, when artists admire you or, or watch you, you know, Jay-Z said lyrically, I would be like Talib Kwawe you know, and different other artists has watched you over the year. Were you conscious of it or you just was in your own lane and, and how do you feel about that reflection when he, they pay homage to you on a higher level? Um, it feels like I'm doing the, the right thing or I'm in the right space. You know, Jay-Z is somebody who I look to for an incredible amount of inspiration. You know, me being an MC from Brooklyn, um, it, it almost doesn't get any more inspirational than Jay-Z. So for him to like, mention me or in common in a song where he's being reflective and talking about his place in the game and talking about his father. It just makes me feel like, okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm on the right uh, radars. It, it definitely made me feel blessed. Definitely. Peace. Peace. Um, there's a resurgence of uh, East Coast hip hop, uh, you know, ASAP, uh, Pro Era, Flatbush Zombies. How do you feel about that, and would you consider working with these young guys and sort of leading them in some way? Um, yeah, I consider working with anybody who's dope and about their business. Um, I think the thing that excites me most about all the artists that you named is that they're playing by the, their own rules, and the resurgence is not based on like a Def Jam putting out a bunch of artists, but based on them getting on the internet and just going for broke. You know, ASAP, I remember when they first start, when it first started popping off, what shocked me about it, which I liked, but was still different from how I came in the game, was I was like, "This I only heard one song, yeah. Peso." I was like, "What? You know, what I'm saying like maybe there was a, maybe there was a mixtape and stuff that I wasn't really hip to, but you know that was really only one song that it was, and it wasn't even a song that was really out. It was like just something that was on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, you know, pro era. I mean, do is did, do do Joey Badass have a deal yet? No. No, he don't. Like Flatbush Zombies, they don't got a deal yet either, right? Mm -hmm. Every every interview I do, someone asks me about those groups. And they don't have a deal, which to me shows an incredible, an incredible work ethic. Joey turned down deal, actually. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> Thanks Peace. for coming by. Uh, can you say a little bit about the album cover? If you haven't already covered it, I came a little bit late. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The album cover for Prisoner Conscious is my name in Arabic. And it's... Um, it's the back of, supposed to be a back of a canvas. It's designed by J Jeff Staple, who's a good friend of mine and a classic 
designer, artist, fashion dude from New York City. It's a company called Staple Design and in a, in a, in a creative uh, uh, retail space called Read Space. And um, when you get the album, whether you get the physical or the, or the, um, the digital, uh, there's a bunch of artists, mostly from the New York ar area, but a bunch, but from all over. You got uh, James Jean and Felicia Douglas and Sophia Chang and you know a few other artists who contribute their own ideas to Prisoner Conscious and what it meant to them. And um, and I'm I'm very excited about the artwork. Um, we have the the lyrics inside the cover. And um, yeah, that's it. All right. Okay. Well. Everybody, Talib Kweli. Thank you, thank you.